When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. What is going on, Bailey Up Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Andrews, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Today, we have a great pair of guests on. First, we have a student and hoops head, Colin, returning to the show after a long hiatus to break down everything we need to know about Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers and that whole situation happening right now. After that, Vince Stover, the Sports Stove Podcast, will help us preview the World Series between my Houston Astros and America's Atlanta Braves. But first, we've got a gold star and a detention. Gold star to Zach Ertz. The tides are changing in Philadelphia, and the latest to move is longtime Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. The Bay Area native has been in Philly since they drafted him in 2013 and ran the highs as high as being a Super Bowl champion and the lows as low as the 4-11-1 and and season just last year. The team is clearly trying to shift gears and move towards a different type of offense, different type of core, building around young Jalen Hurts if they believe he'll be the quarterback of the future. Ertz is a little bit older, a little bit more of the older offense, and is moving on to Arizona. Now that he's a Cardinal, Ertz has gone above and beyond to thank the city that made him a pro. Really heartfelt and heartwarming things on his social medias and in the papers there in Philly. Shouts to Ertz for the classy exit and best of luck to Arizona. Man, that Cardinals team looks good. Good. 
Detention goes to Draymond Green. For those that somehow missed it, the NBA published their best 75 players, which was really 76 because of a tie, in honor of the 75th year of NBA basketball. There are plenty of question marks, many stemming from the fact that the NBA did not remove any of the top 50 for a year 50 celebration 25 years ago. Thus, all the players that made the list were really competing for 25 spots. That's more than 25 years worth of players, if you look back at some of the younger folks in 1996, competing for just 25 spots. It does stand to reason that a player since then would be able to leapfrog a player before then, but that's not really this detention. Clay Thompson was vocal about being upset he did included, didn't get included in that 75-player count. And that's fine. He's a historic three-point shooter with multiple rings. I get it. But Draymond Green <laughs> went out of his way to hang a personalized Thompson 77 jersey in Clay's locker. And that's a little too much. Or at least too soon. Detention to Draymond Green and... Well, kind of the whole thing, but definitely detention to Draymond Green. Speaking of hoops, let's hear about one basketball player who is playing very little basketball. All right, we are joined today by Colin. Now, Colin, you are not a new guest to the show, but it's been a long time. How are you yeah. doing? <laughs> Second time, long time uh, out here. Um, thank you ha for having me back. I know I'm sure the fans have been clamoring. They're saying, bring <laughs> Colin back on. Colin is, I don't want to say basketball expert, but Colin, you do look a lot at the off the floor, floor side with basketball. We had you on to talk about the playoffs <laughs> right before the playoffs started. I also um, was right about that. I've thought about that <laughs> since, because there was a point in the playoffs where I was like, I don't think I've ever been more wrong on every playoff take. But I think I, on that podcast, said like, Trey Young, better than Luka Doncic, and like, that's... <laughs> People are talking about that right now. And then my whole big thing was like, was like, are the, the Bucks are taking the lead. The Bucks are like getting that much better in front of our eyes. And they took quite a leap. Giannis became a I'm whole saying, different just, kind of human being. Saying, yeah. <laughs> just saying, <laughs> listen to Colin. Well, we got another basketball take for Colin today. <laughs> and maybe you're going to be 100% right on this one. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Interesting enough, that was about guys playing basketball, and today's topic is about a guy that's currently not really playing basketball. Uh, we're going to look at Ben Simmons. The thesis, and I'm going to hear your grade in a second, the thesis reads, Ben Simmons should not play for the Philadelphia 76ers this year. You hear that, and you think what? I don't know as far as grading it. I'm not really, I don't really believe in the grading system. I give, I'd give it like a check plus probably if it's like a three tiered, if there's a check plus check and then check minus or an X or something, you know, I give that like a check plus. I think, <laughs> I think we have a, an F in sports first. I don't know yeah. if we've ever given out a check plus. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, you know. if we're sticking, if we're sticking with the check, check plus check minus, I probably give it a check uh, yeah. as of October 24th. I think my grade would have been different 10 days ago. Yeah, I think that's probably right. The, I'm giving it a check today, so the, let's, let's dive in a second. All right, so Colin, you gave it a check plus, which was the first ever check plus in you know, FN I just Sports. Like to break, I just like to break barriers. I just like just to, breaking barriers yeah. across the board. Um, so tell us, why is it a check plus? Why shouldn't Ben Simmons play for Philadelphia this year? You know, I, I hear what you're saying, too, as far as... Uh, a check versus a check plus just given the way Ben Simmons has gone about handling it like it 
objectively is unprofessional to go about it the way that he has to uh, show up and turn around to just say no to things Doc Rivers is asking him to do. My thought is even that it's more professional in some ways to just not show up at all, to just say, I'm, I'm not playing for the team because he's not going to play for that team. It's Daryl Morey can talk the big game about like taking four years or whatever for the time. But, he really said that yeah. really, the quote to Stein or the quote as Stein reported was, you're going to think I'm kidding. I'm not. This could take four years. We're in the prime of Joel's career. That's the reason it shouldn't take four That's years. Exactly the reason why it shouldn't take four years. You should you should do whatever you you're by saying that you're lowering Ben Simmons' already lowered trade value. To anyway, to get to the point of like Ben Simmons shouldn't play for the Sixers. I have been floored, honestly, by the way that the Sixers have handled the situation. Starting with like, you know, base level, Ben Simmons made a mistake. Game seven, he has a wide open dunk would have changed the trajectory of the last four minutes to two minutes, four minutes of that game was a, was a bad play looked bad was bad in the moment only looked worse as the game went on. And as time has gone on since, but it was, it was an objectively bad play. And then the post game is the best player on that team. The MVP candidate on that team set, singles out Ben Simmons, the coach of the team expresses to put it lightly, some kind of, uh, uncertainty about Ben Simmons as a player going forward. And then all of the fans of Philly, which of course is like just the nature of Philadelphia are going to be anti Ben Simmons after that. They would have been regardless of what Joel and Doc Rivers had to say. I don't know. I can't imagine hearing my bosses and peers say something like that about me publicly at my job and then saying, yeah, I'll go back and work at that job. No f- shot. Absolutely not. I would never do that. Have in fact, it's a matter of like self-respect that Ben Simmons would say, I'm not working for these people. They don't want me there. And and like there is some level of self-assuredness and self-respect to say that like I do know that I'm worth something, and it's not worth being shit on publicly by my bosses to go play for this team. There's no way. There's no way he should play for that team. And I've been well, yeah, go on, please. I, I, I would only throw in that like I feel like this has been a yo-yo of back and forth on who is more at fault. Because the truth is they're probably both at fault. Like Ben Simmons played poorly. He performed poorly at his job, right? Like that's a thing that really did happen. I get being internally frustrated. Then, like you're saying, everyone goes out and talks super badly on him in the public, in the media, well, he just had the worst week at his job in front of all of the world that we all could imagine, right? Like, think about, like, the worst week you've had at your job. Now, think about if millions of people watched it live and millions more watched it live on Instagram, on Twitter, and all that kind of stuff. Like, then they go out and publicly bash him before it. That shifts the blame back to, like, okay, guys, come on, be reasonable. Like, handle this internally. And then... He goes on the like, I'm not showing up. Don't come out to LA. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that like pulls it closer to middle or or what. But like to me, I'm like, I, how do you expect to ever resolve it if you're gonna sit in LA and not tell people to come talk to you? Right. And then <laughs> Philadelphia, I feel like talks about, oh, we're gonna move on with that, da da da. And then he shows it to practice. And then he doesn't actually practice. Like, yeah, this is right. a back and forth thing to me. I settled on a check, I guess, because once he showed up to practice, I feel like 
if you're not going to hold out anymore, you're going to show up and play. Like you got to If you're, you should just held out and not gotten paid and like had your stand, right? Like, right. You've got enough money. You've got endorsements. You got Nike. Like you're going to be fine. The the thing that ends up bothering me about it is this like even not not just on the level of the big picture of like how Philadelphia as an organization or as a city handled it, but I think like the big picture of how it's being talked about, about because it is sports, these moments of uh, mental lapses are so, they are already so public. They're broadcast on national television. Like, and if you have a general understanding of the game, you can watch that moment and go, Oh my God, why would he not, dunk the basketball that you know or why why for he... for the record i don't know what it was like when you were watching that live when i saw it happen live i assumed i missed something i assumed i oh, missed i i fully watched and went oh my god like he like he, i fully had the reaction of of jesus he's so far out of his head and then he has a few more plays i don't know if you remember where it's like post whistle he's uh knocking the ball from trey's hands like there's a, there's a few more moments where he's, you know, he's just not there. He just isn't in the moment. And so those, anyway, those moments become so public and it's not an attack. What happens is what has happened now, the discussion around Ben Simmons is hardly about him as a basketball player at all. Like it's about people are talking about what did he do in Australia basketball? They're talking about who he was at LSU and LSU didn't make the tournament and look at this draft precap that says Ben Simmons might not have the attitude of like a number one pick that you might want X, Y, Z. And suddenly we're talking about Ben Simmons as a person and not as a basketball player. And like, especially someone like you and me don't know Ben Simmons as a person. Right. And that goes, that goes for pretty much anybody that isn't directly in contact with Ben Simmons. And it's just a really uncomfortable place, I think, to start talking about who he is as a as a guy versus who he is as a basketball player. And if because they've already made the decision that that is not the type of basketball player they want on that team, they can come out publicly now and say, you know, we absolutely want Ben back. You know, he's an important part of this team. We built around him and Joel. Da 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 da. They can say that all they want. They've said they showed their true colors. I'm judging them as people now saying this, I guess, but like they said, <laughs> they said it themselves in the moment. Like that was an inexcusable play. And okay. If that's the case, then make the basketball decision and move forward. But this, but the way that it's being handled from the Philadelphia side to me, to, to, to talk about him on the level of like, you know, things you can and can't handle. I just don't, I just don't, I just don't think that's the right way of talking about it. Yeah. And the draft stuff's interesting to me because, yes, that draft also had, and I pulled it up to make sure Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown were also in the top three strong players. But like, it's not like Brandon Ingram has a bunch of these clutch playoff performances that I'm missing. Where is Brandon Ingram? In in New Orleans? In, yeah. Has he been in the playoffs? No. Like, and like then who is Brandon Ingram? Buddy yeah. Heald, right? Strong two guard, but also not just like big playoff performance. you probably could have gotten for, for Ben Simmons if he really wanted him. If you think he he's really a could, Exactly. Player. You really could flip him for Sacramento right now, which is funny. And then Sabonis, I guess, ends up being probably better than the 11th pick, but is the 11th pick. Doesn't fit with that team. Doesn't go next to Joel. No. But like the other guys... Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray has had a good playoff run. Jamal Murray ends up. Uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is a great basketball player. Like, like has the potential to be a very good, very great basketball player. 
But you also in the top 13 of that draft have Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, Jacob Podel, Don Maker. Jakob Pertle. Jakob, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don Maker, right? Like, yeah. Georgios Papianis, right? Like, all of a sudden, like, it's like, oh, like, realistically, like, what was your write up on those guys? Because they also were in the top 13. Right. <laughs> right? right. I could give a <laughs> if Jakob Pertle loves the game. Like, who get like, cares right. what did you, you write on sig- chris dunn right yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> and you know people did write chris dunn really loves basketball and he's not in the league now man like like <laughs> of course you the six eight guy with a big wingspan who has incredible vision is the is the you would even oh but i don't know if he loves basketball meanwhile if we're gonna do a redraft 27th pick pascal siakam <laughs> Like draft night, none of us know anything. So no. stop bringing up draft. We especially, night. we especially don't. Right? We <laughs> we five years in the future. You know, like there is something to be said. Like the Raptors know a little bit. Like the Raptors know what they're talking about. <laughs> like that's they they know what they're doing. We we certainly don't. People, you know, talking heads with much more uh, uh, following than you. <laughs> don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, we're building. We're building. No, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I just think it's funny to me that like people are going back. I was right in 2016. It's like you were wrong on like yeah. 55 guys. Of the year, <laughs> possible defensive player of the year this last season, wasn't it? Like really, and really, just the playoff series. I, yes. I, I'm not saying there are no holes in his game, but there are also holes in Ingram's game, also holes in Brown's game, also holes in Sabonis. Like as far as the draft class goes, right? Like there are right. holes if across gonna, the board. If you're going to redraft that that class, I. You could, I could maybe understand the argument for Jalen Brown. I don't think I could hear anybody else. If, if you're going to go, if Siakam's if interesting, but I don't know. Siakam is all hindsight. I don't think yeah. you could ever reasonably say in no. 2016, if you're, you know, if you're the number one team in a draft and you say, we're taking this Pascal Siakam guy and not someone like Jalen Brown or, or even if you're not going to take Ben Simmons or, you know, Jamal Murray, someone like that. Well, and and then if if Ben Simmons, I guess two years later, wins rookie of the year, and a year later you have Brandon Ingram wins rookie of the year, like you look like a real idiot, right? Yeah. Like it took Siakam a little bit. Well, and Siakam, yeah, Siakam's highest moments are next to Kawhi Leonard. Like, how certain are we on that? Like, which which, and if you want to make the argument of Joel Embiid is like the same caliber of player, and Ben Simmons hasn't been able to have those moments next to Embiid. Again, basketball argument completely solid. Then get rid of him on basketball terms. <laughs> but this, but this idea of Ben Simmons is a scared person or something. You know these kind of conceptions of, uh, and and it and it there is still like you talk about the yo-yo effect of like Ben Simmons has some uh, part in this too, wherein like the reason that he's giving the Sixers is saying that it's. He's not mentally in a place to play, or at least that's what we hear by one way of another way through Woj, right? Like who knows how many people that is removed and how, how consolidated that sentence becomes. Right. And that is, that is, first of all, I do believe Ben Simmons that he isn't mentally in a place to play. I've had enough situations with my own, like small part-time working situations where 
I don't mentally want to go into that job. So I can understand. For, for the folks at home that don't remember, Colin is a student on the FF <laughs> Sports Podcast. Student and part-time. I don't know. I just mean I just mean in the sense of like everybody's had jobs they don't want to show up to when they're not publicly shadowed on by their bosses. But there is it, but there is some level of there's always gonna be, be people as much as they can say, like I completely support, you know, uh, deeper a deeper understanding of mentor, mental health and the, and issues surrounding it, uh, there are always going to be people who hear that it's a mental health thing and are skeptical and think it's a trump card and think it think it's someone saying like, well, I I don't feel like playing because of my mental health. And there are always going to be people who think that people are faking it. Which what what does that mean? If someone is in a in a bad enough place that they are faking mental health, are they not? probably experiencing some version of the mental health issue that they're talking about. I, I don't know. Well, and, and that's fascinating too, because you've moved on to bigger and more important writing than sports writing. But one of the things Colin, you wrote a while back when you were doing more rockets writing was they'd chosen a guy named Royce white to come play for them. Right. And he had a thing about planes and, and a thing about traveling and, and long story short, he ended up not playing a lot of games for Houston rockets because of his own mental health things going on. Right. And you, articulately put it out as like we wouldn't question a guy that couldn't play on road games because of his ankle <laughs> right like or like his shoulder or, it, or whatever the Royce white one becomes interesting the further away we get from it if only because that was in what was that 2013 that they drafted him it was in the same draft with jeremy lamb um where right before they traded for harden and royce white was an incredible college basketball player you know this sort of uh 21st century very small time version of a Charles Barkley type built in the same sort of mold, you know, frankly, a similar mold that Ben Simmons has been built into for whatever it's worth. Uh, And that was in 2013. And Royce white talks about mental health issues, can't fly and doesn't even make it into the league. Really doesn't just doesn't happen. What I will say is that Royce White's interesting in that he ends up having a few different summer league tryouts. He plays a little bit overseas, which again is interesting given his struggles. He plays some of the big, uh, the big three, the three on three league. Right. He certainly isn't gone. He, but he never really got the NBA shot. And I bring him up mostly because there's part of me that wants to say, well, Ben Simmons is saying this not as a trump card, but it is it is an out. Like I'm just not going to play for Philadelphia right now. Right. Like I wonder if he had gotten traded to the Lakers. A, I guess that would have some impact on your mental health, right? LA Sunshine. But B, <laughs> the other aspect of that too is like, would he be ready to play immediately? Whereas, you know, there might need to be something else if he were to get traded to Sacramento, right? And, and how that goes again. I guess Sacramento doesn't have the LA Sunshine, but. I, I do wonder, like, how do you balance? Because you do want to take these things seriously when they come up. Because just like you don't want to force someone to play on a torn hamstring, you don't want to force someone to play when they're not right. in the right state of mind, right? right? Like, that's not fair to them. You're not, even getting, not you're not even getting the best version of that basketball player by doing that. No, at all. It doesn't help. It Like, at a very core wins and losses, grr, capitalistic, we got to win all the time kind of system, it's still not good for you either as the team, right? Like, you don't. Have, it's not the best version right. of that guy. And then at a more humane level, it's not good for them. It, I right. I wonder when does this come back to Philadelphia? Because Philadelphia's got this is part Simmons of my question this too. Mental, and you had Markel Fultz a couple you, years ago. You had right. like at some point it's like what's the deal with Philadelphia? Like we know the fans are vicious, brutal, right? Like that's always right. been the case there. 
And like, why is it that Philadelphia is having this struggle again with another right. big name prospect that's shown up? In, yeah. Yeah. And frankly, this guy's played well for them until like a week, until like one week in the summer. The other part of it that I get stuck on is like, okay, you don't think Ben Simmons, if you're a person who thinks Ben Simmons is being a baby, what do you think you should do? You think you should play for the Sixers? You think that you think that would work? You think putting him on the court next to Joel Embiid now, you think he wants, you think he's going to go listen to Doc Rivers? You think that that holds any weight with him? You think he's going to come out? Oh, what, here's what Ben Simmons should do is put on the Sixers jersey and go shoot six threes a game. Do you think that? Do you think that that would make that team better? We've seen as good as they can be. Like, like it's a like at some point, it's also run its course basketball wise. Like the fact of the matter is, if you're there's one, it's one thing to say like Ben Simmons should handle this differently. Maybe he should. I don't really know. I don't really know that there is a way to handle it that much differently aside from just not showing up at all. Which probably is what I would do in that situation. I don't I also don't know that I believe the argument of like no, he should just go play. He should just go play for the Sixers. No, he shouldn't. They don't want him. They don't want him there. Well, and you could have almost argued when Jimmy le- so they were a weird few bounces away from beating the eventual champion Toronto Raptors the Kawhi Leonard year, right? Like that ball bounces differently on the game 7 shot and we're talking about a whole different and then Jimmy leaves. They on a basketball sense, they maybe should have blown it up then. Right. Well, if right? you're going like, to lose what is kind of obvious, especially in retrospect, is how much better that team is with somebody like Jimmy Butler on it. And Jimmy Butler was going to do what he wanted to do. When you trade for him, contract extension situation, do you find a way to convince him to stay in Philadelphia? Clearly has that kind of mentality that the team needs. Even one that like somebody as somebody like Joel Embiid still needs has the mentality that somebody like Joel Embiid still needs around, you know, on a very different note, you've got connections to to the city of Brooklyn. They've got their own guys sitting out right now on a very Uh different level. Well, that's a part of it too. Ben Simmons isn't vaccinated either for whatever it's worth. (laughs) Well, so in, in Brooklyn, you've got Kyrie that to date is not vaccinated and will thus not play for the Brooklyn Nets this year. A, you're a basketball guy. Does it really matter? And then B, <laughs> B, whether or not it does matter, what's Brooklyn got to do with him? For one thing, that team doesn't need Kyrie Irving. They're going to be fine without Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, for somebody asked me about this this week about how I feel about the Kyrie Irving situation. I think there's two sort of levels to it. Like for one, I have to get vaccinated to go to a basketball game. I don't think it's that unreasonable for. a to expect that the players are vaccinated in the arena as well. <laughs> it's, which, a little inter- it's an interesting balance. <laughs> that's a, that said, I do understand the incredibly sip- slippery slope of telling athletes you of requiring medical action of athletes. That's you don't want to get started on things like that. It's a bad deal. And I, I do actually, if that was Kyrie Irving's argument, I would understand that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. That if you, if that was Kyrie Irving's argument, uh, I don't know that Kyrie Irving knows what his argument is, and uh, that certainly changes up different parts of it. That said, on the other level of that too, Kyrie Irving signed a contract when there wasn't a global pandemic going on, and that they're like, we're just not going to pay you, is a little bit like I don't know that you can do that. He signed a contract. <laughs> there's it's there's you didn't put anything in the in the contract about. In the case of a pandemic, 
and right. <laughs> the emergency clause. I think they're paying him for road games, but they're not paying him for home games because of the ordinance. And I don't quite understand how that works. I'm not, I'm not a yeah, legalese person. I don't understand either. But frankly, it probably says something that they're willing to pay him roughly half a contract. I guess he couldn't play in the next games either, but they're paying him roughly a half a contract to just stay home. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I, I the, the Kyrie Irving deal, I think is more interesting than people give it credit for and more interesting than Kyrie Irving lets it be it, the, the way in which I've heard some people talk about it in the sense of like Kyrie Irving is clearly on some kind of uh, almost not to overblow it, but like almost spiritual journey through his young adult age, like through, I don't know how old he is, 30 years old. Not uh, quite 30. Yeah. He's and, um, 28 or nine. I don't know. I just turned 27. So I know a little bit about that, but <laughs> but the, the thought around like, there are some things Kyrie Irving can't figure out. And Kyrie, I do actually believe that Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is a smart guy. I think he is pretty bright, but also just gets really mixed up in things that are completely nonsensical. And he's also not the first or only athlete to be like that. He just is one of the more vocal ones. Are we forgetting that someone like as recently as last year, Odell Beckham was like, I don't really worry about COVID because I've beaten the odds at every point in my life. Well, and Cole Beasley a couple months ago. I Not that football <laughs> and basketball are identical. I do think it's interesting that a year ago, I've gone back and forth, Kyrie, like a year ago when he said, I guess almost a year ago now, um, I'm not playing this week. I'm not in a good headspace. I was like, no, I have weeks like that. Like, I totally yeah. get that. And if my employer would work with me on it, I would kind of be like, no, I need to take a week off too, right? right. Like, <laughs> I totally, totally get that. Well, and, and, and it's funny too how often the people who get mad about something like that cite, like, you're making millions of dollars to go play a basketball game and da-da-da-da. And those same people also, like, probably argue for the inclusion of the free market and Kyrie is probably worth more money than he gets paid in some understanding of it you know like these are just kind yeah. of the facts around it. he's like, he's one of the you know few dozen players that if he took the salary cap off would make more money would make more money like it's a, it's some because not not necessarily even Brooklyn though they would have the money someone would pay him that money it's a because yeah. it's a matter of not even a matter of like what's it worth it's you're worth what you can end up getting paid and somebody, it, you know, wouldn't it be cool if it was someone like Sacramento or some team that's like, we have all this, we have this money, we'll just go spend it on him, you know? Right. Well, and it's, anyway, it's just, it's an interesting back and forth because like, while I was totally with him on that, there's been times like, whether it's flat earth stuff or whatever, there's been or times this, where I'm like. This deal about the vaccine with Lucifer and things like, that's obviously ridiculous. I, I, I yeah. understand, I, you know. 30 seconds ago I was talking about thinking Kyrie smart and I do think Kyrie smart, but like for clarification, that's obviously <laughs> ridiculous. That's obviously. <laughs> do not yeah. go home from this podcast yeah. and think Colin believes Colin in. Ty- yeah. Right. <laughs> of course that's absurd. And he, and of course half the things he said are absurd voice for the voiceless. It doesn't make any sense. You're not speaking. This is the first time you've spoken. <laughs> You're not a voice for anybody. You're not talking. <laughs> it's, well, and then he goes on IG live and talks in a circle about a lot of nothing well and look at your company look at the people who are co-signing you ted cruz chance the rapper <laughs> like, like people are like yeah you sound you sound good stefan marbury come on man look around it would be interesting if that was the case if the 
mandates and the the city ordinances that are happening in New York, and I, I guess also happened to Wiggins and San Francisco, to be fair, if those were across the league and all the major markets, would there be more than one Kyrie Irving? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I can't imagine th- that it would be that way. Although You're at the league, I think, said they're at just about 95% vaccination rates on opening night. So it would be the vocal minority. I don't I don't mean to say that I know necessarily, but that is and I think that is eventually eventually the takeaway from all the Kyrie stuff as much as and we're also the last people to say it last people on Ben Simmons, last people on Kyrie Irving. But like this is not a, you know, a league wide issue. This is a Kyrie Irving issue. This is not a, a, a it's an epidemic of its own. It's one player. In wrapping up, Colin, tell people where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you about your wild Kyrie takes or your Ben Simmons stuff. Yeah, I don't know if I've tweeted about basketball in years. Uh, I think my last good tweet was saying something like, the best part about hoodie is the way it's spelled. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or something to that effect. Uh, Yeah, if you want to get in on some tweets like that, I'm at Drainsworth on Twitter and Instagram, Dr. Ainsworth like Parker's last name too. I do like that your pin tweet is 2021. I promise to do absolutely no numbers. <laughs> 2021. I ain't taking no prisoner. <laughs> no, thanks for that. Bye. Okay. Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right. Now to talk a little bit of baseball, we're joined by Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Vince, how are we doing? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, wonderful, wonderful weather these days, and perfect timing for some baseball. Perfect timing for some baseball. I, I was telling you before the pause, the World Series snuck up on, on me a little bit this year. I don't know if it was because football and basketball and all that starting, and the Olympics were later than normal, or or what the case may be. But then all of a sudden, games, you know, five and six ended on Friday, Saturday. I was like, oh, we're done. <laughs> we're wrapping up into the World Series. Um, so. The thesis today does have to do with the World Series, as simple as it may be. The thesis reads, the Atlanta Braves will continue their hot streak and win the World Series. You hear that, and you grade it how? I grade it with a D minus. (laughs) I'm selfishly in my Astros hat here going to flunk that thesis, so let's dive in. All right. 
you went with a D minus. Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> D yeah. minus. So you don't have a lot of faith faith in the Atlanta Braves. Talk to me about why that is. So the Braves, of course, they've had a great run here in the last month or two. Rough start to the season, major injuries. The biggest problem that I have with the Braves, and I like the Braves. I think uh, they're not the team I cheer for, but I like them. And the biggest problem I have with them is their pitching depth, and I just don't think there's enough there. I say that. They've obviously made it to the World Series, so they've been able to make it work. Pitching is what scares me the most. I think when you get to the World Series, pitching is what's going to win it or lose it one way or the other. Both offenses seem to be very effective right now, and so when I look at it, I just think Houston's stronger when it comes to pitching, and therefore I say D-minus because and not F because you never say never, and the Braves have made it this far, and uh, they've looked pretty good while they did it. So, so you got to give them some chance, but uh, at the end of the day, I think Houston's just the better team, and when you play seven games, the better team's going to come out on top. Well, and so before I do too much hindsight looking back at the Braves' run here, talk to me about that pitching because, frankly, there was a moment in the ALCS that I thought pitching was going to be the undoing of the Astros. Yeah, they've they've not been as good in the postseason as uh, – they've been worse in the postseason than they were in the regular season. The Astros' pitching has been. But when I look at it all, just the, the big picture of it all together, uh, bullpen, the rotation, all those sorts of things – I trust Houston more than I trust Atlanta. And Atlanta's the hot team right now. But I've said since, uh, let's see here. Well, I mean, midway through the season, I was saying Houston's the best team in the AL. And even though they didn't have the best record, they're just the most talented team all the way to, all the way around. And the, the biggest question, if you have to look at it, is the, the baseball gods. How, how are they going to look down on Houston? <laughs> because uh, – you know, I'm a, I like to play golf, and I believe in the golf gods, and I'm a pastor, so I obviously believe in the one true God. But uh, when it comes to the baseball gods, you know, it, there is uh, – you have to wonder a little bit uh, how, how that's going to all shape down. At the end of the day, though, I just – I think even though uh, Houston's pitching may not have has, – has not been as sharp as it could be, but again, I think at the end of the day, seven games, most talent, to me it still it leans to Houston. Well, and you got to think we've paid our debts at some point as the Houston Astros to the baseball gods, whether it's a 2018 crazy diving catch in the ALCS or Juan Soto in 20 in what's that 2019, right? Like, like hopefully at some point we paid them off, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I look at this though, and the Braves, you say midseason, the Astros, you were saying is the best team in the AL. They proved you right. Not, I don't know if I could have found a person outside the city of Atlanta that would have predicted this midseason for Atlanta. So what, I mean, typically you go with the hot hand here and we're both not going with that. So how has Atlanta done this? So it's, it's a team effort last year. Atlanta was kind of going off star power and they got pretty far, but they couldn't pull it off this year. They lost their star power to injury and multiple guys. And so now it's just been it's it's been the complete team. Everybody's pulled their weight uh, from the All Stars to uh, the bottom of the batting order, and even the pitchers have come alive. Even with with some of their best pitching injured and out, they've just together pulled together and made it a team effort. And that's how they've done it. It's it's been one game at a time. Um, you're right. Nobody would have saw it after the trade deadline. I said Philadelphia was going to go on a run and, and finish out the East and. 
and win. And at first, right after the trade deadline, it looked like that was going to happen. And then next thing you know, they fell off. The Mets were bad all season. Um, and Atlanta, they they finally pulled it out there in the last month of the season, really, and uh, took control and, and hung on to it. Then they came into the playoffs and beat what I thought was a really good Brewers team. I'm, I'm a Brewers fan, so I'm, a, I'm definitely biased. But that one hurt as a Brewer fan because you thought, man, they, they should have beat them. They had better pitching. You know, same thing I'm saying about the Astros. They have better pitching. They had uh, their better all-around team. But at the end of the day, the Braves just just beat them. And they've done it with, in my opinion, it's pretty much been everybody on the team pulling their weight and accomplishing what few thought they'd be able to accomplish. Can we put a little bit of historical context on the Houston Astros thing? Because obviously I'm very much, you talk about being a homer at the Brewers. I'm very much a homer, especially in baseball, but like very much a homer across the board here. Five ALCS in a five-year window. Now a third World Series in that five-year span. Interestingly enough, there's only like four or five names on the active healthy roster that were there in 2017. There are an important four or five names, right? Bregman, Altuve, whatever. Can you put in context for folks that maybe don't watch a lot of baseball or don't know the history of baseball quite as well, maybe they're new to the game, how wild that is? And then we can also talk about this particular to Houston in a second. Yeah. Well, I mean, Houston built a team uh, the way that everybody says they're going to build a team. They went out, they made trades, they they kind of blew up the team, and they went young. They went out and drafted guys. They traded for some really um, you know, impressive guys that were still young and up-and-comers and things like that. And so they have a young core. Even now, five years uh, of really good baseball, their oldest you know, key contributors are really not that old still. And, uh, and so building, actually building it the way that every team says they want to build it, um, has proven to be successful for Houston. And even in their their cheating, uh, I say cheating, the, the sign stealing, using the technology to steal signs, because I'm all for sign stealing, um, but you got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> and uh, even within that, you know, um, last year, as I'm a big fantasy baseball player. Last year, I stayed away from the Astros completely coming off of knowing that they weren't going to have, you know, the opportunities to uh, uh, steal a few, a few at-bats. And and they didn't look good. Altuve wasn't great last year. Um, they they just statistically had a down year. This year, though, they've come back. Correa, uh, Altuve, uh, Bregman as well, I, and even through injuries and things, their numbers came back. And so what it proves is is that when they acquired these guys young, they saw the talent that they had, and they actually had the talent. And I think when you do what they did with the the technology sign stealing and the the banging of the trash cans or the buzzers or whatever they did you you tend to as a player go away from what you know you're you're going away from your actual talent and ability and trusting something else and it's taken them a little bit of time but they got back to hey I'm actually good enough to play this game the way it's meant to be played and it proves that the management who's been fired um, knew what they were doing when they brought these guys in and they built it to last, whereas a lot of teams will sell out for a year. Houston, they they blew it up a number of years back to build something that would last, and it's it's lasting. Well, and it certainly has been interesting to watch. Like watching Springer leave was tough, mm-hmm. but Tucker and Alvarez have picked up the bats for him. I mean, obviously they played a little different position, but like it's it's all there. I I wonder where, and this is where I want to defer to you as well. It's currently 2021. We're talking about how great the Astros are, but also like there's still this thing that happened five years ago. 
Um, and then some people want to carry it out through however long. Well, we're at 20, you know, it's 2021. We're at 2041 or 2051. And we look back at this, frankly, with more time and, you know, who knows what comes out as far as if any if anything else happens with Frank, the current team, right? The the buzzers and all that came out three years later. What will we look back on? Will we think about, oh, but yeah, they had that one World Series and it wasn't, or, or was, is this like five-year run of ALCSs and potentially two World Series, I guess one potentially two World Series titles. Is that going to be what people think? Like, where, where do you think people land on that? It depends uh, on a lot of factors, honestly. But I think if they win this year, this one will be looked at as clean. Now there will still be those that hate on it and, and you know, whatever it is, what it is, but they're going to, those people that hate on this year's team are jealous, plain and simple. And, uh, and so you're going to look at the ones, you know, against the Dodgers that they're, everyone's going to say it's tainted and that's going to stick. It's kind of like Barry Bonds to some degree. Most any true baseball fans can look at Barry Bonds and go, he was a phenomenal player. Did he cheat? Yes. But, Everyone will tell you he still was a phenomenal baseball player. So the Astros, they're always going to have a little bit of what we call stank. There's going to be a little bit of stank on them for a while. But I think that the true baseball fans are going to understand what was accomplished clean and what was accomplished with a little bit of stank on it. And they're going to get – you're always going to have the outside. You're always going to have the Cubs fans. You're always going to have the Dodgers fans. You're always going to have the Red Sox fans, which is interesting because Alex Cora is with the Red Sox. <laughs> Uh, but you're always going to have them poo-poo on anything the Astros do, and it's because they're jealous, plain and simple. Whereas you have people like me that's a Brewers fan, we've not won anything, and we've not lost anything to the Astros. So we just look at it and go, yeah, there's some of it that's tainted, but there's also some of it that's clean. And, uh, and I think your true baseball fan that can look at it just at all with a little bit of unbiasedness is going to understand how talented the team is and ultimately – this year, if they win, it's a clean win, unless something crazy happens and we find out it's not. But at this point, it looks like it would be a clean win. Well, and I certainly don't, you know, think what you want about the previous administration. I don't think Dusty Baker is running anything scandalous in the back. He's for all, you know, you can go, you know, pros and cons list on Dusty Baker mile long. He's got a long career, but I don't think the cheatings are in there in the same way. Well, you know, I had uh, Graham Wallace on my show uh, this past week and I asked him that question. I said, do you think that people who don't like the Astros, who are still angry at the Astros, do you think any part of them can go, hey, I like Dusty Baker, and maybe that kind of softens the blow a little bit, allows people to say, hey, they've earned this, it's all good, everything like that, because I think most baseball fans like Dusty Baker. And uh, and so and that kind of softens a little bit. He said, yeah, he, he thinks that, that definitely having Dusty Baker there allows people to be a little bit more happy for the Astros <laughs> than they are. <laughs> outside of that but you know what it's amazing to me i think you know you look at uh, um hinch you look at uh you know gm and, and manager that both got fired from houston one of them has a job currently the other one hinges not. with the tigers okay. cora got his job back obviously a number of astros have sprinkled throughout the league springers yeah. on the blue jays right and right yeah and i think you know but I, those guys all should be rehired i mean they built a team and they did it you know obviously again there's some stank on it but they still prove that they can do it. And to me, if I was a team looking to hire somebody, some of those guys would be ones I'd be looking for. I think that historical aspect is baseball is such a history-based game is always fascinating, right? Do the Astros turn into the, the Black Sox or do they turn into like, 
you know, like you're talking about Barry Bonds or any number of steroid users from that era where it's just like, that's just kind of what happened. Like we're all just, you know, Mark McGuire still got the home run, got his home runs from the nineties. Sammy Sosa still got his home runs from the nineties. Bonds has his 73. No one's going back to 61, (laughs) right? Like that, like some people might argue something separately, but we're not all going back to 61 anytime soon. I want to go back to Atlanta and yo-yo and back and forth here for a little bit. If I were to crystal ball, tell you, Hey, stove the atlanta wins this thing in in 10 days and we're talking about the atlanta braves being the team that knocked off the astros how does that happen well i mean it happens the same way that they've got to the world series um it's just continuing those hot bats um they've had multiple guys rosario of course has been the one that stands out the most right now but riley's been decent you got freddie freeman there as well uh, that's been relatively consistent as well he started off slow but the whole team did and the pitching's been been doing just fine, been able to get things going. So I think if a, if Atlanta wins, it's probably in game seven, maybe six, I don't know, six or seven. It wouldn't surprise me either team that wins, honestly. I think this is going to be a really good matchup all the way around. As a matter of fact, I think this has been the best Major League Baseball season that we've had in ages. I think the whole season's been phenomenal. The way that we've seen teams step up and play, superstars, most of them weren't even in the playoffs. <laughs> and it was just crazy to think some of the biggest stars in the league weren't in the playoffs or the ones that were like Bellinger, for instance, he had a horrible season this year. So it's just been about your average guy for the most part, stepping up and doing big things. I think way back to Craig Council uh, in the Marlins World Series. And, you know, everybody knew who he was, but he wasn't a superstar. And he just dominated the series. Rosario's doing that at Dice he did in the uh, NL Championship. So if they win, it's just that consistency straight up just sticking with it the bats are just on and the pitching does enough to get by but it will have to take i mean houston will have to go ice cold i think for atlanta to win uh the game but at the same time like i said i I wouldn't be shocked if atlanta wins you mentioned you do a lot of fancy baseball you also throughout the whole year did a fancy baseball show with a guest we had on a couple weeks ago kevin uh and kevin came on and helped us preview it but i want to get your take on the same question i asked him what do we make of this idea that so many of, because with him, it was the end of the regular season. And we talked about all these award winners, you know, MVPs, Cy Youngs, whatnot, that all of these favorites and people we all assume were at the time, we're going to win those awards. Aren't big playoff teams. They're not on like these teams are constructed of other guys. You mentioned there's like stars in the Astros and they're tainted or whatnot, but like the Braves to some extent, even the Dodgers, like, we don't have Trout and Otani in the playoffs, right? <laughs> like we That's just not where we are. And so what do we make of that as baseball fans? Well, let me put it this way. Your casual baseball fan only knows the fantasy studs. That's it. If you watch baseball, and it, it takes a commitment to follow baseball. You know, baseball this year has been that, that middle, middle, middle of the salary guy has been the most dominant all season long. Again, I'll go back to the Brewers. Most people probably don't know most of these guys. But Willie Adamas, he came in midseason in Milwaukee, and he played incredible baseball. He was a difference maker. Rowdy Telez was acquired uh, at the trade deadline from Toronto. Toronto didn't need him. He wasn't going to play any role in Toronto. He came over. He was supposed to be just a a left-handed bat, uh, you know, every other day, every couple days. He ended up being a big, important role player there for the Brewers. You had guys that people knew. Colton Wong had a good season. Christian Yelich, though, had a really bad season. And uh, this year, and I don't remember it being like this in past years, 
But this year, it's been that that guy that's just kind of middle salary, not your superstar, not your worst guy, not not the guy that's batting ninth, but the guys that are batting second, the guys that are batting sixth, they kind of stood out this year. You look at Atlanta, Austin Riley coming into the season, everybody said breakout breakout player. Well, it took him a long time <laughs> to have have a good season. But then you get right. Rosario who gets traded, uh, you know, from uh, Cleveland. And now he's the the postseason stud that's doing everything right. Freddie Freeman didn't have a good start, but he he came on late in the year. Ozzie Albies, he was good for a second baseman, but he wasn't like he didn't stand out a lot this year. Um, Houston, you know, those guys kind of played what they were supposed to be. Altuve was really good again this year. Correa was really good again this year, and they've got some guys. I love Maldonado. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of his. But you know, again. If you're just a casual baseball fan, you're going to turn on the World Series and you're going to look at the Braves and you're going to think, wait a second, I don't know these people. I know Freddie Freeman, but I don't know these people. Um, if you haven't turned on baseball all year, you're just as I think World Series is maybe the best postseason event uh, out there. I like the Stanley Cup, but I think the World Series to me, you can just feel the energy when you turn on the television and what's there. I think we got a great series ahead of us, but yeah, these superstars, we missed them all season. I mean, they just didn't stand out the way they normally do. And Otani was the best player in baseball this year. Didn't even sniff the playoffs. <laughs> so yeah, 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 baseball is as much a team sport as anything. And I know you can argue that about, you know, football, not basketball. Basketball is a solo sport. No, I love basketball, but I would not call it a team sport. I, yeah. I mean, it is a team sport in a you know very logistical sense. But like, if I got LeBron, we're in the playoffs. <laughs> like, right. you know, like, it's not the same. Whereas in baseball, if I've got Otani, like you said, I'm not sniffing it. Like, right. And he he did it from pitching and from batting this year. I mean, he was incredible on both sides of the ball. It's not enough. And Mike Trout, the best player in, in baseball, and he was injured again this year, but even two great players, two all-stars, two superstars, don't guarantee you a playoff spot in Major League Baseball. And to me, that's what makes it so pure. That's what makes it so so great to watch is no matter how good you are, you need, you have to have, it's like football, you have to have the other guys on the field to do their jobs and pull their weight. And you know, Atlanta, it took them a long time to get going. Lucky for them, the Mets and the Phillies were really bad this year, too, until they finally got going. And again, Houston, they had a little bit of issues with Oakland, but overall, Houston dominated out West. And even though Tampa had the better record, I thought it was clear that they were the best team in the American League. And before we wrap up here, Vince, I texted my brother as soon as both teams made it in. It was this morning, I guess. It was late last night that Atlanta and the Dodgers finished up. I, I texted him, I was like, I've got weird 2019 Juan Soto vibes. And his response was, they don't have a Scherzer. And I guess that's true. <laughs> but if you were looking at Atlanta, who would be giving you Juan Soto vibes from that 2019 run he had in the World Series? I really like Ian Anderson when it comes to their pitching staff and, and guys that kind of make things happen. Charlie Morton's been an interesting guy. He's been around for a while. He's done some good things. Ian Anderson, though, to me, is the guy to watch for. I'm trying to look at his postseason stats right now. Yeah, I mean they're they're just they're good. Um, they're they're not great, but they're good, and that's what always gets a little scary there as well. Ian Anderson, he's got a 2.25 ERA here in the postseason so far. To me, that's the guy you got to watch out for. He's going to be the sneaky guy that kind of you're sitting there in the seventh inning going why can't we get a hit off this guy? And uh, <laughs> if, if someone stands up in the Braves pitching staff, 
that's who I'm looking at uh, for it to be. But I really, yeah, I'm not getting those vibes at all. I think Atlanta, <laughs> as good as they've been here recently and as good as their run has been, again, seven-game series, best team always wins. And in this one, it just – in my opinion, top to bottom, it's Houston. Well, and and that makes me feel better with my Houston Astros head on. Vince, uh, tell people where they can find you when your shows come out, etc. Tell people how to find your stuff. All right, so I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove. Uh, we do a live episode Thursday nights at eight o'clock. My dad joins me most of the time for those episodes, just talking general sports news. And then every Wednesday, I drop a local hour episode. It's audio only, podcast only. And uh, that is we cover uh, Eastern Kentucky University sports. And so we have a coach and or players on every episode on Wednesdays and talking football mainly right now. We just had the basketball coaches, men's and women's basketball coach on this last week, kind of getting into the, the stretch run of of the uh, football season and getting everything going there. So that's the best place to find me. I also do a weekly article uh, on EKU sports on bellyupsports.com and getting ready to branch out and. Uh, about a few other uh, sports teams as well. But uh, mainly the best way to follow me is on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, at Sports Stove. And we try to keep everything posted there. At Sports Stove and go Colonels, right? They're the Colonels? Yeah. yeah <laughs> go Colonels. They're making a huge run, man. They're in the A-Sun, uh, first year in the A-Sun Conference. They're second place right now behind Sam Houston. Sam Houston is incredibly tough. And uh, they played them in a couple weeks. But uh, it's been an exciting football season. And the basketball team, uh, I know you're a basketball guy. Uh, the most exciting 40 minutes in sports is EKU men's basketball. Uh, Coach A.W. Hamilton has things rolling there, and uh, they're looking to make a tournament run this year. Good deal. We'll cheer them on, and we'll keep following you for more updates. And, as again, everyone that's at Sports Stove on Twitter, very, very active guy. Good show. Check him out on Thursdays. And if you're in Eastern Kentucky stuff, I guess on Wednesdays as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Vince. No problem. Thank you. Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. Do you feel like you're all cut up? Do you know what's going on with Ben Simmons? Are you ready for the World Series? If you missed the hoops talk about actual hoops and people playing basketball, you're in luck. We have another episode of the Midweek Midrange this Wednesday night. You can find us on YouTube or Instagram and Twitter at Midweek Midrange. That's every Wednesday night, 9 or 9.30 Eastern Time at Midweek Midrange on Twitter or live on YouTube. As for me, my personal stuff, which includes podcasting, writings, general nonsense, an occasional tweet about an Elon sneaker. Okay, lots of tweets about Elon sneakers. The Texas Longhorns losing, the Houston Rockets winning slash losing, and lots of tweets about Dak Prescott are all at Painsworth512 on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, you can find me and my personal stuff at Painsworth512 on Twitter and Instagram. This show is also on Twitter and Instagram. We're at on Twitter. We're at FN Sports 2. That's at F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S number 2, all one word. And on Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And we have merch. Use the links in our bio to find your way to our merch store. We have a student design t-shirt, a couple of classics, and one breast cancer awareness special with the proceeds heading to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. In fact, I generally sit here and record in my Flunk Cancer t-shirt every weekend. It fits great, looks great, feels great, and the Flunk Cancer Campaign Show support to the show and a great cause. For November, we've got a great flunk shaving shirt to support No Shave November and Movember with a host of various beard styles all on the back. Proceeds from that shirt head to the Movember Foundation, so check them out and the great work that they're doing. Be sure to 
subscribe, like, rate, review, and do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast. And whatever you do, please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.